Our scripture lessons this morning as we gather together on this 16th Sunday after Pentecost, for those who will worship later, the lessons come from the Old Testament prophet Amos, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, Psalm 146, the New Testament epistle of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 11 through 19, and Luke's gospel, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. So our gospel lesson for this morning has come to be known as the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And you may recall that it follows immediately after our lesson from last week, which was the parable of the dishonest steward. The audience for this story is the Pharisees, who are described by Luke prior to the beginning of the story as great lovers of money. But the Pharisees' love of money was not just a love of wealth for its own sake. Their love of money was a carefully crafted part of their theology, a theology derived from their reading of the Old Testament scriptures. For instance, the Pharisees read passages like Deuteronomy 28, which stated that if you obey God, you will be blessed in the marketplace and in war and in the field and at home. And they read similar texts like Psalm 1, where it says that the righteous person prospers in all that he does. And the Pharisees devised a simple formula then, which for them meant that wealth was the sign of God's blessing that resulted from obeying God's commands. And then they continued And they used this as the foundation to justify their life of greed and avarice. Jesus comes along, however, as he often does, and throws a monkey wrench into our good theology. He has just indicated a few verses before this that one cannot serve both God and money. But now he needs a way to drive this point home to the Pharisees who are listening to him. He needs a vivid and dramatic way to show them that their love of money and their theology of wealth is actually a gross misreading of their own scriptures. So what does he do? He tells a story, a parable. And in the story, the contrast here is sharp and the details are vivid, as we've heard. This rich man lives in complete luxury. Similar to the people to whom Amos writes this morning, this man's life is a daily banquet at a bounteous table. They enjoy lives of garish and opulent indulgence, while people all around them are starving and being sold into slavery. Nothing about this man even hints of need in any way. And at his door is this poor man, Lazarus, who, unlike the rich man, is clothed only with open sores on his body. He squats there at the rich man's door, famished. And in an interesting little twist, in all of Jesus' parables, this is the only time where a person is given a name, Lazarus. And his name means God has helped. Of course, both men die and the rich man is given a burial but in death their roles are now reversed. Lazarus finds himself an honored guest at the Messianic banquet, while the rich man lies in anguish in the flames of Sheol or Hades. 
Now, many folks have read this parable and they've concluded that it's an indictment and a condemnation of the rich. And others have read it and found in it some kind of detailed commentary about the afterlife. I would suggest this morning that both of those readings miss the mark and are too superficial. For I think this is primarily a story about how God's people are to steward money and material resources in the light of their own sacred scriptures. Notice the second part of the story here in verses 27 to 31. The rich man asks Abraham to send Lazarus to his family to warn them about his torment. But Abraham replies, Moses and the prophets have already warned them. They can read their writings anytime they want to. What has happened here? What has happened is that this rich man has missed the word of God that came to him from his own scriptures. In his own scriptures, he read these words, You shall open wide your hand to your brother and to the needy and to the poor in the land. In his own scriptures, the law of Moses made it clear that the harvest of his fields was to be shared with the poor. And the prophets were also very clear. Isaiah, for instance, writes, I want you to share your food with the hungry and to welcome poor wanderers into your home. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Stop oppressing the helpless and stop making false accusations. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. His own scriptures were full of these admonitions. In fact, the scriptures are full of admonitions to care for the poor because their lives depend on it. But that's not the only reason that God admonishes us in the scriptures to care for the poor. God also commands us to care for the poor, not because the lives of the poor depend upon it, but because our lives also depend upon it. But this man's love of money twisted his perspective, so much so that the word of the Lord came to him right out of his own scriptures, and he missed it. So now he thinks it will take something more to spare the rest of his family, something miraculous, like somebody rising from the dead. But he is told that if his family won't listen to Moses and the prophets and his own scriptures, they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. So what might the parable be saying to us this morning, brothers and sisters? Every sermon I've ever heard on this story has invited me to identify either with Lazarus or with the rich man but I'd like you to consider maybe another option this morning. I'd like to invite you to identify with the rich man's five brothers, because unlike Lazarus and the rich man in the story, their destiny is still being determined. Their story is still being written, as is ours. Like them, we have the sacred scriptures. We have the law and the prophets which clearly show us God's unrelenting care and compassion for those who are in need. But we are privileged also to have something else this morning, something the rich man's brothers did not have. We have actually been visited by someone who was raised from the dead. We have seen a man put to death for caring for the poor, for announcing God's mercy for all, for daring to forgive the sins of the outcasts, And we have heard the testimony of this man who was raised from the dead and vindicated by God for doing all of this. 
we have been encountered by a man raised from death, whose love compels us to be rich in good works, to give generously to those who are in need, to store up for ourselves treasure in heaven. In a world that likes to love things and use people, we've been encountered by this man raised from the dead, and the nail prints in his hands remind us that God's formula for God's people is that we use things and love people. The rich man did not end up tormented in Hades because he was rich. He ended up tormented because Jesus appeared to him every day at his doorstep in the face of a starving man, inviting him to live his own scriptures by opening his heart and acting with compassion. But instead, he used his own scriptures to justify not helping this man. And in doing so, he missed the kingdom of God that had come near to him. And like this rich man in the story, all of us here today are not owners, but stewards. And so as we come to the Lord's table this morning, I invite you to come with thanksgiving. Come with gratitude for the fact that even as you have freely received God's grace in Christ, and even as you will freely receive it here in just a moment at his table, come with gratitude that even as you freely receive of God's grace, that the Spirit is at work in you, helping you then to freely give into the lives of others. And as you do that, as you use the grace that is freely bestowed upon all of us this morning, as we do that and use the grace that he freely gives to us, and as we do that and extend that into the lives of others, guess what? The kingdom of God draws near for them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.